Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. My name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here, and and, uh, welcome to the Vineyard. It's good to see you. If this is your first time here, we're so happy you came out today. Um, Just like the great series you may watch on Netflix, or if you have your favorite shows and you keep up with them, this story that we're in, taking a look, spotlighting the characters in the Christmas story, Uh, If they made it into a series where they had time to develop the characters, I think it would be one of the best ones you could ever rent or watch. Uh, Of all the series, I bet everybody's got maybe their favorite series in here. Uh, You know, this series that we're in is kind of the antithesis to The Walking Dead. I guess, you know, anybody watch that series, you don't want to admit it, but it's in church, you cannot lie. You can't, now not that I watch it, but I just want to know who else. It's, it's about character development, easy, all right? The Walking Dead, I mean, in The Walking Dead, when you watch, and I'm not, I'm not telling you to go home and watch it, okay? But in the characters, I'm told, in The Walking Dead, they're always in search for, like, the light inside of them, it seems to me. It seems like they have a really rough, it's about a zombie apocalypse, by the way. But the characters that, are, that they use, it's like every situation, they keep hoping that there is some light left in humanity, something that is worth living and staying alive for. But every time they get put in a certain position, they see this darkness in their life. And so the storyline, it just gets darker and darker. Well, the story we're involved in, the story of Christmas, is the opposite of that. It just gets brighter and brighter, and brighter. The good news is the good news. And we've looked back, last week we looked at Mary, 14-year-old, probably 14, 15-year-old little girl whom God came to and said, hey, I want you. And I'm sure she had so many plans and so many dreams. It's funny, the angel never says a word about them. You know, he just says, hey, Mary, you've been chosen, and let's go. And then we see how Elizabeth is brought into the picture, Zechariah and Elizabeth, an older couple who had gotten past the age of childbearing, and they had just said, well, we're not going to have any children. That's just the way it is. And, uh, and God comes to them and says, oh, yes, you will. And, and Zechariah, Zechariah doesn't believe it at first. Like, I didn't know I had that in me, you know. And, uh, but God comes to them, and, and they do have a child, John the Baptist. And Mary, of course, the Virgin Mary, uh, becomes pregnant with Jesus. It's like God is no respecter of ages or sexes. He chooses a young 14-year-old girl to work through, and then he goes to an older couple who, as I said last week, got the RV parked out back, and, you know, there's, they're going to, they've just, they've said this is the way life is, and it's not going to change, and so, and then God says, oh, yes, it is going to change. I'm choosing you to be a part of this story, and so God just doesn't seem to be impressed with who we are, or what our, you know, our status in life, when he wants to do something, 
He does it, and most of the times, he chooses the people that are probably not the ones you and I would choose to be a part of the storyline. God just doesn't seem to care about age. He doesn't seem to care about sex. He doesn't seem to care about that. I mean, this is a fulfillment of what God said, well, at this time, the book of Joel which you're not sure when it was written. Some say 400 years before Christ. Some say 800 years before Christ. So let's just say 400 is good with me. Is that okay with you? That's a long time. So 400 years before Christ, this prophecy comes that says this, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. You know, your old men are going to dream dreams, you know, and your young men are going to see visions and that God is going to pour out his spirit on servants, both men and women in those days, and they will prophesy. And sure enough, in Acts 2... 17 through 18, that's exactly what we see. But the precursor to this is what God is doing in Mary and what he's doing in Zechariah and, uh, and Elizabeth and uh, that God is pouring his spirit out on every type of person. So this is a great story. This is, is a wonderful story. We're going to be over in Luke 2, verses 8 through 20 this morning as we look at some very ordinary people. Again, shepherds. And uh, so if you've got your app, you've got your, you're going old school today, taking a hot rod out for a cruise, take your Bible and uh, it'll be on the screens for you as well. Let's read Luke 2 and start at verse 8. And therefore were shepherds living out, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Father, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. Holy Spirit, you are the Spirit of Jesus. You are the presence of God. We ask for you to come and do your good work through your word. I ask for your help. Give me the gift of teaching. And uh, Lord, we gather to you. And thank you for the good news that we can gather together and talk about it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, who are the shepherds? Again, shepherds, I think, are like, like any of us, like any of you. You've got a job. Some of you have a job in here you love, right? I mean, some of you got jobs. You like to go to them. You enjoy them. Every day you, you do it with a smile, I know, on your face. And you go, and the shepherds are like your everyday working man. Or working woman. They get up, they go to work, and uh, people might not even notice them. They're there 
uh, all the time. And so they're a part almost of like uh, if you drive up and down, you know, the strip here in Myrtle Beach and we have so many folks working in real estate and working in the hotels and the service industry that if you live here long enough, you stop almost noticing, you know, who peop- who, who's getting the work done around here and all the different uh uh, businesses that people own and, and run. After a while, you don't notice it. And the shepherds were the everyday working person. Uh, and so last week, we took a look at at the way Mary responded. We want to do that today. You have a fill-in in your handout, and you have a pen. And if you want to follow along, um, that would be wonderful. Your first fill-in is this. And just like Mary last week, we see it again. And that was they were fearful. The shepherds were fearful, in verse 9, and they were terrified at the news, when the news was brought to them by the angel. Now, the same thing happened to Mary. She was shocked. She was taken aback by it. And uh, what was the response? Every time, matter of fact, with Elizabeth, with Zechariah, when he was told by the angel that he was going to, you know, he was going to bear another child. There was fear in him when the angels showed up. There was fear with Mary, and there's fear now with the shepherds. Now, what was the response from the angel? What? Fear not. I find that just absolutely amazing because sometimes you want people to be scared of you, right? (laughs) I mean, you want them to be so fearful of you, they will fall into line. Correct? I mean, you want to exert so much authority and so much strength. And who couldn't do that if God couldn't do that? If God wanted to, he could just left the shaking, left the quaking. After all, he's God. Holy, righteous, pure. But the first, the second words, rather, right out of the angel's mouth is fear not. Like, shepherds, you've got nothing to fear here. There's no reason to recoil in fear. Um, I read this this week about the way our brains process, uh, how we process fear and love. Science tells us that in our brain, love is this complex, higher-level emotion that turns outward from ourselves. But the area of the brain involved in fear, the amygdala, tends to shut down higher-level thinking, including love. When we are fearful or angry or harboring hate, we cannot love, neurologically speaking. When we're afraid and scared, we don't love. We can't. Do you see this? God knows how we're made. He made us. He made these chemicals in us. And so when we recoil in fear, we begin to shut down. We go inside of ourselves and there's because love is outward, it's poured outward. We can't do that when we're in fear. So whenever the shepherds or Mary or Zechariah are confronted with this news and they recoil in fear, God goes, "Not this is going to be a labor of love. It is going to take love to accomplish what I want to see happen in this story. Fear will not get it done." So fear not, shepherds. Fear not, Mary. Let your brain begin to work the right way. In the first service, I, I called it amygdala, but wasn't that a princess in like Star Wars or something? It's the, I got it mixed up with Star Wars. It's amygdala, but uh, I think I'm getting my movies mixed up here today. I don't know. Sure. But fear cannot successfully 
It, it can't get the work of God done. It's not how God gets work done through us. It's not through fear. Right from the very beginning of the story, he says, fear not. Fear not. Don't block yourself off. Open yourself up. Because Mary, your journey will be a labor of love all the way to the cross, to the resurrection, and to the birthing of the church. Shepherds, your is a labor of love. So don't fear. Get excited. Get excited. This time of the year, and thinking about fear, there's a lot of fears that come out of our lives, and we're reminded of you know, fears of our sins, of things that we have messed up in and that we feel like we'll never be able to get right. And so we have this fear of maybe being found out or the fear that they're going to be thrown up in our face or fear that we cannot forgive ourselves for what we have done. But yet the coming of Christ comes along and we hear the angels say, fear not. There's the fear of the future. A lot of us fear what's going to happen next. We live in a very uh, intense world right now. And we wonder, but the love of God, it says, cast out all fear. And so when we're apprehended by the love of God, it deals with that fear. And our brains even respond to it. And we begin to open up and we reach out. It just makes us healthier people. Because when fear, fear just robs us and pulls us away. And, and the coming of God's son is a liberation to love as he loved. There's fear of not being enough. You ever had that fear? Like, I just will never be the dad that I want to be. I'll never be the mom. I'll never be the husband. I'll never be the wife. I'll never be the friend, the student, the business owner. I'll never be the Christian that someone else is. All these fears, fear of dying. How can I face that fear? Fear of not being forgiven. Fear of being inconsequential. If God deals with anything with Mary and the shepherds and all these people, isn't it that? I mean, the fear of being inconsequential. These people were basically inconsequential. And yet God reaches down right in the middle. Could have chosen anyone, but he chose the inconsequential to do something wonderful. So the fear, he deals with all these fears. I think that the angel's response is that he's trying to get the shepherds you know, to look the right way. And as we watch how they respond, they don't respond in fear. They get excited about this. Look in verse 15 and 16. It says, let's go. I like, I like that. Let's go. You know, fear not. And he doesn't even give them instructions to go, does he? Just, they just make the announcement. But that was enough. That was enough for them to go after the fear not. Let's go. Let's go and let's see this thing, this wonderful thing we're hearing about. Once your fear is dealt with, then you can investigate the claims of Christ. You can investigate what Christ is doing through his love to your own frailties. Now your fear to let it, just you can let the fear go of what would God think of me now? Because now I see it is good news. It's even good news to my fears and to my failures. This is really good news. So let me look into this thing. Let me look in to see if Christ is who he says he is. Have you ever asked yourself that? Those of you who 
you know, you're, you're just not quite there yet as far as really following Christ and, and answering, you know, when he calls you to come and follow me. Have you ever just said, what if it's true? I mean, you come in here, you go out, you, you go to other churches, you hear people talking about it, but you just kind of pass it off and you go on about your life could be a business person like the shepherds, and you go back to your world. But do you ever stop for just a moment and go, what if it's true? What if this news and what Jesus said about himself and what this story says about him, what if it is true? What would that mean for you? What would it do? to you, for you, in you. The shepherds said, let's go. They could have said, okay, we don't have to fear. That was weird. Do you think that was weird? Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah, let's get along. You know, go back to work. Go get back with the, you know, the sheep. Let's keep going. But they didn't. They said, let's go. Let's go and see. They investigated. They they wanted to know if it was true. I mean, don't just sit in here and soak, you know. Listen and then go look. Grab a Bible. Grab, you know, do some studying, reading. Look into it. Check it out. Go and see. Go and see. They faced their fear and then they took off to see if it was indeed true. And thirdly, in verse 17, when they had seen him... They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. That is, they talked to others about it. They talked to others about it. Like, did you hear this story? Have you, have you heard about this child being born to a virgin? That all these hundreds of years and 800 years earlier and, and all, it was prophesied that Messiah would come and that he would come to a virgin? Have you heard this is happening? What do you think about it? I mean, how do you respond to that news? I mean, we need to talk. The first time somebody ever asked me about, um, they, well, we were in a Bible study. We were probably 20, I don't know, three years old, something like that. And it was at Harold Brown Sr.'s house. It was a Bible study that some people from the local church, Karen's church, had. And, and uh, Mr. Brown was leading it. And there was a youth group there as well, and uh, his son and some others. And, and I was so I didn't know, you know, what being, I was just so excited about Jesus. But uh, Harold says this, he's, he's very serious, and he goes, if you knew Jesus was coming back in 15 minutes, what would you do? Well, that freaked me totally out. <laughs> I mean, I'm already like this, listening to him teach the Bible, you know, a little manic, like, like trying to learn everything I can, and and when he said that, I just said, well, I'd jump up and run down the street and knock on doors and tell everybody to get ready. You only got 15 minutes. And so that's exactly what I did. It embarrassed him and, and got up, ran out the door, hey, you know, running down the street and, and shouting and telling everybody. And then I just collapsed in tears and I made my way back to the Bible study and I, they waited for me. And, uh, and uh, he simply said, well, there's my point, <laughs> you know. But do you ever tell anybody? Do you ever talk to somebody about it? I mean, I'm not recommending that. Um, you know, running down the street and screaming. Yeah. Didn't get a great response. Um, but did you ever, you know, did you ever sit and talk with someone and, and say, hey, 
What do you think? I mean, we have small groups here for that purpose too, where you get in a group with others and you ask the questions and you, you get them to ask you the questions. There's no questions out of bounds. I mean, we all got them and you talk them out and you pray about them and you study and you read and you dig in and, and you, you try to investigate it, but you talk with others at the same time. And we need, to, we need to talk this out. We don't need to keep this to ourselves. And the shepherds certainly didn't. They, they went and they talked to others. And how else did they respond? Well, A in your handout is this from verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. And I love this part of this story with the shepherds. They went back to their life, worshiping and praising They went back to their life. And see, I love that because this tells me these shepherds love their jobs. They didn't go, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is unbelievable. Forget the sheep. You know, we're just going to stay right here forever. They didn't do that. They went back to doing what they knew they were called to do with the people that they were with. But they were different when they went back. They went back praising and worshiping God on the way you know, it's alright to go back to your job it's okay to respond that way and that's part of God's working in your life just like these shepherds I mean Mary's on her journey Zechariah and Elizabeth are on their journey and the shepherds are on theirs as businessmen and women you know, they're men but businessmen and women the same thing you, know, you have an encounter with Christ you see Christ and you love your job you feel called to your profession and your job And what's the natural response? Well, you go back. But you go back rejoicing. You go back excited with the news that you have. You know, if the good news isn't good news on the job, it's not good news. It should be good news to your job. And I mean in you and how you work and how you do your work and how you care for your employees or how you respect your employer and how how well you do your job, all of that. We go back to our work rejoicing glorifying God. I, I want to say this to those. I know there's got to be a few people in here who enjoy their work. Are, really? Can you just say, yeah, that's me. I enjoy my work. Yeah, tell me. Tell me. Let me know that. I want to tell you right now, that is God's call on your life. That is the gift that God has given you. That is what he's doing in your life. And it is just as great as anything anybody else is called to do. Absolutely. Just like the shepherds went back to their job went right back to work did you know the word vocation the latin derivative of that word is to call so my vocation is my calling to call and so the shepherds are a great example of that that with the good news life doesn't stop it just beginning it's just beginning and it's beginning on the job there are tremendous stories out there for you to have and i've heard many of them from you we have so many people who own businesses here and on i've heard tremendous stories of how god has worked through you uh, men and women on the job and uh, you know you make your way through through your jobs and you look for god and you look to see i i told the first service i one of the first jobs straight out of university that I had was working for a utility company. And my boss knew I was a Christian. I was a young Christian, but he knew it. And there's a beautiful story in that whole relationship. But one day he called me. He said, you pray, don't you, Tim? I said, yeah, I pray. He says, I'll tell you what, we've got a problem. We've got a water tower that's leaking. 
300,000 gallons of water on top of this steel, and it's leaking, and it's probably just going to break open. we got to get it fixed. You pray, right? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to pray about it. I said, that's weird, but okay. He said, then I want you to fix it, whatever God tells you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. There we go. Okay, I see where this is headed. Okay. It was a test all the way around, you know. So I, you know, I went home, I told Karen, I said, gosh, Johnny wants me to pray about this. And so I prayed, you know, and I had all kind of weird nightmares. And uh, water falling down, I mean, you know. And so I went back the next day. I got a crew together. We got all the equipment in there, and we started welding, and we started bolting, and we started doing everything. And we worked for three days around the clock. I mean, no break, 24, 36, 48 hours, and it got worse. <laughs> The water just got, the stream got bigger. I kept working, kept the guys welding, kept doing everything I could. And finally, Johnny shows up and he walks over to me, he just pats me on the back. And he goes, well, how's that prayer going? And I, I said, you know, I'm not blaming this on God, Johnny. I just, maybe I don't know how to hear him about welding. <laughs> you know? And uh, he was so good about it because he says, it's all right, Tim. He said, what, you know what you, what you learned, don't you? I said, no. He says, what you learned is you go find somebody who does know how to fix this problem. I said, thank you. That's why you're the boss. And uh, called another team who came in and in like three hours had it fixed, you know. And so, but I'll never forget that story. Now, yeah, I didn't, it wasn't a miraculous thing for me. It was humiliating, but at the same time, I had such a great boss. I learned a lot. Finding someone who knows how to do something is a lot better than you messing up stuff, trying to figure out how to do it. And so, you know, on the job, you get stories, you you meet personalities. You have friends and co-workers that you'll have no other opportunity to meet. You get stories, you know. You meet all these characters in life, and they become alive to you. And, and years later, when you get old, you'll, you'll be looking back, and you'll think about them. And you'll be able to tell the stories. And at times, God will put you in just the right place to show his love to people. That's a wonderful calling. And when we end in just a moment, I want to pray for all of you who love your job. Or maybe you're at college and college and you're working toward a profession. And you're like, God, I want to do this with my life. This is what I want to do because I think I have a love for it. We want to pray for you as well. And pray that God gives you that job, that profession, uh, that business, whatever is on your heart. So that you can fulfill your vocation, your calling. They went back to their jobs. And look how they went back. They went back confident. They went back in verse 20. It says, which were just as they had been told. When they walked off from it, they went, that's exactly what we were told it would be like. They went back confident. You can go back with your relationship with Christ, getting to know Him, you can develop that relationship with him in such a way that you can go back confident to your job in your faith. You don't have to be washed around. You don't have to be blown about. And you're doubting one minute. You believe the next. There is a way to go back and be confident. Spending time with God builds that confidence. They went back and they went back worshiping. And when you worship, you know, I forget, I've been in this thing so long, people don't know why we lift our hands. They go, is it waiter? What, you know, what are we, what are we doing when we lift our hands? It's, it's, it's an old response to deity or to a king. It's to say, hail the king. 
It's a biblical way of responding, but, you know, we do it in football games. You know, we, we do it at parades. We do it when we're excited at home, and we do it in other contexts, but it began in the context of recognizing that there is a king and we're not it. And so when we lift our hands, it, it, it feels awkward, I know, and, and you don't have to do it. it. It's just something you can do that, that allows us to maybe grow in confidence toward God that I recognize who you are, Lord. You are God. You are a king. And the more we worship, and this is a science too, the more that changes in our brain and the chemicals kick in and things happen to us and our confidence begins to grow and we go back on the job changed. Just like the shepherds went back going, Jesus was exactly what they said he was. He was in that manger. He was there. When you leave, maybe this morning, or you leave from your small group and you go, I believe Jesus is exactly who he said he was. Because if he was, and if he is, that changes everything. And that's what Christmas is all about. Changing everything. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.